Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. What's shaking, Logan? You know, what is shaking? What's shaking with Crickets. you? I don't know. I don't know what's... I don't. I don't uh, have the... Okay. Well, last time we talked, I told you I was getting on the health. My my yeah. stuff was on point. Uh, no races on the docket yet. Uh, my my running buddy uh, had a little uh, family challenge uh, dilemma situation that he needed to attend to. All good. All mm-hmm. good. But uh, has kind of occupied probably more of his time than he hoped. Uh, so our our running schedule, I'm kind of awaiting word from him, which is good because it's usually the other way around. Yeah. Usually he's like, "What's going on? <laughs> when can you get a race on the calendar?" Are you still running with your group though? Oh uh, yes, it's okay. been hard as I've traveled, but I got a chance to run through Central Park the other day. Oh, I just love that. I can't spend. I love going to the New York City. I I highly recommend it. I don't recommend the subways anymore. That's for sure. Mm. Wow, talk about craziness there. Anyways, um. But I love New York City because you can be in the heart of, you know, all of the craziness, and then you can find yourself either at Central Park or Bryant Park, which is not as expansive, not even close to size. It's only a block, but also kind of, I don't know, it just gives you like you've gotten away a little bit. But Central Park is amazing. You've been. You've nope, been? never been to New York. You've never been to New York City? No. Nope. New York City! Did I know that? Uh, yes. Next I think time, so. okay, we will be cutting DIY money probably from New York City. <laughs> like this is a must. Like I think we might have to shuffle our way there uh, to New York City. That for sure. Anyways, uh, and I love. I got a chance to run through Central Park, and it just is beautiful. And uh, I just love it. It's one of my favorite places to run by far. By far. Is it just the peaceful aspect of it, or is it just that it's everything that, around you is crazy? And it's the same. It's the same fun attributes in New York City at least that I like, which is it's a melting pot. So you see there's all sorts of people. There were like these, there were these police officers from England that were there running for some charity. And I don't know, I I don't know why they were there, but they were, they were doing the same loop I was doing. They were doing it multiple times. I only did it a couple times, but they, I heard them talking to other people, taking pictures. We're here, you know, running a, I can't do that accent. We're here running a running a uh, you know a charity event or something like that. And then there's just all sorts of other people. And then there's you know the park benches. I don't know. It just there's always stuff going on. It just it's awesome. That's I love awesome. it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Saw Hamilton uh-huh. uh, on Broadway. Awesome. It's phenomenal. Best show. Is that your first time seeing it or? No, I've seen it before. And uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I highly recommend it. I always pick up something new from it when I see it. My Each of my children have wanted to see it. My wife has wanted to see it. So admittedly, I've seen it quite a few times because um, I'm usually the one who kind of initiates the trip and makes it happen. Uh, but it was it was awesome. We've been to Trinity uh, Church. I, I found something I'm writing about in a, in a new book. Uh, piece of literature that I'm working on, something I saw in Ch- Trinity Church that I've, I've never recognized. Trinity Church is where uh, Hamilton is buried, okay. and his wife, Eliza, and sister Angelica, the Schuyler sisters, famous Schuyler yeah. sisters. Anyways, they're all buried in Trinity Church, and I'm sure a tremendous amount of other prestigious people have been buried there over the years. If they're super prestigious, there's 
because a lot of the sem- the heads, the tombstones are weathered, and you can't see them. You can't read them. Mm-hmm. They, they're not maintained them, and they were really old when they were put in. Obviously, they weathered easily. So they would put a plaque down. And so you know, Alexander Hamilton, he has a massive, massive headstone. But Angelica or Eliza don't. They have these little plaques to tell you where they are. I took a picture of this. I won't show you because it's a podcast. But I'm walking along, and I see this tombstone that is totally white-faced. You can't see any of it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a plaque in front of it. So – he was this person was as notable to to say okay we can't let this tomb so we still have to recognize this the plaque was weathered you you can't read the plaque it's totally gone wow and it's not been replaced so here's a person in trinity church prestigious enough at that time to be buried there big money and and well connected to be buried in trinity church prestigious enough for maybe, what, a hundred years later, the church body saying, we have to commemorize this person with a plaque. Mm-hmm. And now no one knows who that is. Spoiler alert. Wow. If that doesn't reduce pressure on your life, like thinking you have to like do everything because people are going to remember you or whatever, they're not. Yeah. Like, you know, and what are you scared of? It's kind of my mind was wrapped around this whole thing. Like, what are you afraid of? Like people who are pushing the limits. Are you afraid of failure? Why are you afraid of failure? People will see it. They'll remember you failed. They won't remember your successes, much less your failures. It was it was it 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 was impactful for me. I like it. Yeah. All right. Wow. We got to get to a question. Okay. Uh, I totally from who's this? Dan. I don't know. Yeah, Dan. Okay, mm-hmm. Dan. What do you got? DIY. Hey, DIY money guys. This is Dan from Dallas, Texas. Love the show. Love the bro talk. As a fellow runner, I enjoy following Quint's running journeys. My question is: I've been DIYing my financial plan for a while. When I set up my retirement target, I wanted my goal to be where, when I retired, using the four percent rule. My income would equal uh, what I expected to be making when I retired, so I wouldn't have any loss of income. The question is, my income has risen faster than I anticipated, so I'm wondering, should I you know, redo my plan and set a higher target, or am I being too aggressive trying to want to maintain my same income? Thanks. Okay, great question. The dilemma faced by many This is why, however, that the 4% rule is flawed in that it doesn't take into account your current salary increases, nor does it take into account general inflation. This is one of the great dilemmas we see with people who calculate this. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Now, for those of you that have no idea what we're talking about, let me explain. Let's say that uh, Dan determined that he and his wife could live on $80,000 a year. So they do the math and they say, you know, we don't have any debt, this, that, and the other. I mean, an $80,000 a year with no debt is a pretty darn good living. But let's just say that that's what they calculated. And I'm spitting that out because it's a nice, easy round number for me to forget, figure out. <laughs> so there's a general rule that says you can distribute out of your accounts 4% without having to worry about depleting 
your account over time. Now, certainly there's going to be some years as the markets are down that the value is going to go down, et cetera. So if you do the reverse math on 80,000, you take 80,000 divided by 4%, that will equal $2 million. So theoretically, Dan could say, I need to get a $2 million account in order to generate $80,000 in income. Now, right off the bat, he said, I'm trying to replace my income. And at the time of him doing this, maybe his income was 80000 but now his income might be 120000 So the challenge there, I would ask, Dan, is why'd you adjust your lifestyle? Like, why'd you live off of 80 perfectly fine, and now you're living off 120 Or is it inflation? Is it the cost of living that has gone up? Because if it's not just, you know, lifestyle creep, but if in fact it is inflationary changes, then your 4% rule is flawed. And this is what we see inherently all the time. And when we run financial plans or long-term retirement projections, we first figure out what someone's spending. Then we adjust it for inflation and not just CPI inflation, but but higher inflation in certain areas like medical expenses so that we can adjust the income needs over time that clearly are going to go higher. So it's not an easy answer. I can't just say this is what you do because what we do is we look at it as an inflation-adjusted amount on an annual basis that needs to go up. Now, all that we're doing... When we do this, and this is where a lot of people fail, in my personal opinion, is they solve for the 4% rule instead of, now hear me out, Dan, instead of solving for the required rate of return that they need in order to keep up with their income needs over their lifetime. Let me say it again. Instead of solving for the 4% rule, which, look, without any rule, it's an okay rule, but it's mediocre at best. It's like... Buying Walmart golf clubs and thinking you're going to shoot par. It ain't going to happen, okay? You need better clubs. You probably need a few lessons too, but nonetheless. The reality is you can't just solve for the 4% rule. You need to be solving for your required rate of return in order to meet all of your income needs throughout retirement. Now, the required rate of return then comes back to your allocation, So you could solve for your required rate of return and find out you need 15%. Newsflash, ain't going to happen. Not the day. You could solve for your required rate of return and find out you need 7.5, which requires a fairly aggressive account, around 70 75% exposed to equities. And you could say, ain't going to happen. Not the day. And the reason I say that ain't going to happen is you're going to look at standard deviation or volatility. I'm going on a lot of weeds here, but he asked, so I got to do it. You could solve for the the required rate of return, come up with your allocation, and then look and see at the standard deviation or the volatility of that. You could say, nope, no thank you. So it's all of these pieces that come um, into the equation. The reality is this. I think this is the time, Dan, either you got to really go into the weeds of retirement planning and income distribution strategies, and there's a slew of information out there. You could dissect it yourself, or literally this is the time you call an advisor and you have them run these scenarios because it's not as easy as the 4% rule. I used to say, yeah, it's okay. The more I'm in the weeds with it, I think it's trash. It's not enough. Yeah. What say you, Logan? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're running plans for folks all the time. And I think there's that general back of the envelope math that people bring into the conversation of saying, okay, well, 
based on my account, I have a million dollars. I think I could take 40000 out each year. There's so many other factors that go into that calculation. Do you actually need the 40000 Because if you're taking out more money and just putting it into a savings account, you're basically moving money from one savings bucket that you have in retirement accounts, in stuff that's invested in the market, and moving it into another savings account and paying taxes on it along the way. So there's a lot of factors that you need to think of when you're doing financial planning. We just talked on a previous episode a few ago, I think it was myself and Daniel, about adding in pensions in Social Security to the 4% rule. So having that income side to make sure that you're calculating, okay, well, what is actually that I'm going to have as income? And what am I going to need to pull from the accounts to live off of and, and continue to use? The 4% rule, in my opinion, just the few years that I've been in this business, I think it's garbage too. I, I'll agree with Quint. It doesn't account for not only the inflation factors, but also the one-off events that are going to happen in your life. Eventually, at some point in your 30-year time horizon or so of retirement, you're going to need a new car. You're probably going to need to put a new roof on the house. You're going to need an HVAC unit. There's going to be some events that are going to come into your life that are going to break that 4% mold. And you need to have funds available to take that money out of accounts and utilize it. And just following that 4% rule is going to completely mess that up when those events happen. Danny, see your future. Be your future. Same book that I talked about last um, episode when I was referencing Conor McGregor, or maybe two episodes ago, depending on when these all fall, uh, I talked about the 100% mental game. The other thing that, that I'm working on, which is really hard to articulate in a chapter, is is kind of the, the bucket system of income distribution. Uh, emergency fund for, for folks we like to see as a one-year. If you're in retirement, we like to see a one-year return uh, emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Then, again, depending on your overall allocation, your big-picture allocation, we like to break down various buckets for distributing income out. And in, and in the first bucket that's actually invested, we like to see a couple of years of income. Now, that income can be based off of the current needs. That doesn't have to be year one plus year two up 3% you know, for inflation, et cetera. You, you can, you, obviously, there's some you know, qualitative aspects here. However, over time, the further uh, you, know, you live, the longer you live, that inflationary pressure will creep in, as we've seen currently, and it must be adjusted. So as you're pouring more money into your sort of income bucket to, to distribute out, it's going to have to be more over each year for inflation. So you're going to have to account for that. Again, modeling it out on your own is certainly one way. Connecting with an advisor is another. Um, but it's difficult. It's, it's not easy to do. And it's why I think so many people run into problems during retirement. Yeah. There's some ch challenging stats. All right. Great question, Dan. I don't. I mean, I don't know if we led you down the right path, or you're more confused now than ever. I, I hope not. I hope we found some value there. Um, all Dan did. I've had this question recently, and it blows my mind. Somebody says, "I how do I submit a question?" So let's go over it. Jump on your iPhone. I don't know how to do this on an Android. Does anybody still have an Android? <laughs> no, everyone has an What I'm demanding is my BlackBerry back. Okay, jump on your iPhone. Go to the voice memo record your question, then send it via email to podcast at DIYmoney.org. That's podcast at DIYmoney.org. If we use it on the show, we'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card. 
Perfect. Hey, I forgot to say our sponsor. Our sponsor is Jewel Financial. Yeah, we hinted around it the whole time. I episode, needed to but, be better yeah. about that. <laughs> Anyways, all right, friends, remember the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.